This is the Kona Edge, the home of Ironman triathletes who dream of qualifying for the World Championships on the Big Island. This is the Kona Edge. I'm Brad Brown, and uh, what a pleasure to introduce our next guest to you. You may recall a few weeks ago here on the Kona Edge, we caught up with Hans Christian Tungesvik, who uh, was, funnily enough, the first Norwegian that we had spoken to here on the podcast. And he mentioned uh, a race in Norway called the Norseman. It is iconic uh, race in uh, Scandinavia, and it's fast becoming iconic on the global uh, on the international triathlon scene. It is brutal. It is magnificently beautiful. It is just stunning. If you haven't seen the videos for that, you do yourself a favor and go check it out. But we have got uh, the defending Norseman champion on today's podcast. He's a, a full-time engineer. He works uh, like you and I for a living, but he is a monster uh, when it comes to triathlon. And uh, yeah, he's got a, a pretty cool story to share as well. So that's who we've got on the podcast today. Uh, Lance Peter Stormo, who will get on in just a moment. But don't forget as well, if uh, you are enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you left us a review or a rating on iTunes. I know I keep asking, and many of you have left uh, reviews and ratings, but what it does is it just helps us get in front of more triathletes uh, around the globe, just like you. And uh, if you've got any value out of these podcasts, it's uh, just something you can do that will help us uh, immensely. And all you have to do is just uh, leave a rating review. It doesn't uh, take that long, just a couple of minutes, and it helps us out like you have no idea. And also, uh, we sweeten the pot a bit. If you'd like to win yourself an entry into an Ironman, we're giving away another one this year. All you have to do is head over to theconeedge.com forward slash win. All the instructions are there. It does include leaving us a review on iTunes, but uh, you can enter that contest there right now. That's theconeedge.com forward slash win. Let's get straight into today's interview. Welcome on to this edition of the Kona Edge and we head to, to Norway once again and uh, I, I hate to say it but it's a, a chilly Norway, a gorgeous Cape Town in South Africa where I am and it's uh, a great pleasure to welcome uh, onto the podcast today Lars Petter Stormo, Lars Petter, welcome, thanks for, for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. I am uh, envy of your weather down there. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. But you did say to me before we started recording, it's, uh, you haven't had much snow, which is terrible. Uh, you obviously, you've grown up in a way. You, you like uh, the winters. Uh, I'm, I'm taking it. It's been, a, I don't want to say a mild one because it's, uh, it's cold anyway, but uh, lots of snow means you get to go out yeah. and do lots of cross-country skiing, correct? Yeah, that's what we normally do. And uh, this winter has been just a few centimeters on and off. And then, uh, yeah. Nothing's fun. No cross-country skiing, no running outside. Yeah, poor biking, but we're getting there. One of those things. Lars, better tell me a little bit about you as a, as a person growing up. I mean, were you were you pretty sporty? What's your what's your sort of sporting pedigree background? Where did you come from? Um, I started um, as a kid. I did everything, but then then uh, when I was uh, thirteen, I started mountain biking, and then yeah, that was probably yeah, that was. What I did, I was on the national team from for in mountain biking for Norway from '96 to 2002, and competed a lot, uh, yeah, in Europe and US, and got pretty good results. But uh, it's not uh, easy living like a mountain biker. So after a couple of years just mountain biking, I started to study, and then I used five years to get my master's degree in construction engineering, and after that, I just 
working 100% and did a lot of other things. I did still a lot of mountain biking, but it was more cross-country skiing, running, and then started doing triathlon in yeah, some in 2007. As far as the mountain biking goes, what what was it cross-country? What was what was your sort of main discipline? What what were you good at? Yeah, it was a uh, cross-country, the Olympic discipline. That was before it came Olympic. So, but I was pretty good. I was around number six in Europe. So it was good, but uh, yeah, it's hard living like a mountain biker. Hard living in what way? T- tell me a little bit about what 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 made it tough. Ah, uh, it's the fi- it's the financial part. Uh, I had the kind parents that supported me, but uh, you don't don't earn a lot of money. Even if you're among the big uh, best uh, mountain bikers in Norway, you don't earn a lot of money. So I figured out after a couple of years that uh, I had to start my studies. And mountain bike is an interesting thing because the sport's grown a lot. Uh, it's, I mean, it's it's going through a massive yeah. growth spree at the moment. Do you kind of almost feel you were maybe ten or fifteen years too soon when it came? I mean, if you were born ten, fifteen years later, you might yeah. have, might have had it slightly differently. Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, but then again, I will have missed out on the triathlon wave that's going on now and being taken part of that. So that was fun while it lasted and. Uh, I got some good results and I'm happy with it. Do Do you find now with the triathlon that you you can almost if you've got if you had any unfinished business with the mountain biking you can almost do that in in triathlon now that it gives you the opportunity to to compete at a high level uh, even though it's a different sport. Uh, yeah, and then I always liked competing, and uh, I didn't quit mountain biking because I was tired of sports or tired of competing. I was just I didn't see any future in mountain biking, so now I, I love competing, and that's what uh, the age group uh, competing in triathlon is all about. And then you can compete uh, at more or less the same level. So I think it's uh, very much fun. Mountain biking is it still part of your your training regime now? Do you still ride much? Yeah, especially now when we have bad winters, it's a lot of riding mountain biking with uh, studded tires on the ice. So I do still train some mountain biking, but um, not competing that much, probably two or three races a year. Did you take a bit of a, a break, I, I mean, from the competitive stuff? You, you mentioned that you decided from a financial point of view, mountain biking, is, there's no future there. You went and studied. Were, were you still training and, and competing as a student, or did you, you take a bit of a break yeah. and then come back? No, I actually still competed, so I wasn't... It didn't bother me that I stepped down a level. I still was competing some, but then it was more competitions in running and cross-country skiing because then and my level in biking has just gone down since 2002. So uh, in other sports, uh, I'm still uh, progressing. So that's more fun. So then I've competed more in other sports. Have you have you always been competitive? Did you have brothers and sisters growing up? Where did this competitive spirit in you come from? Yeah, my big brother was the one that started uh, mountain biking. So then I had to join as well. So we have always competed. And uh, I just love the aspects of uh, competitions. I love the the tactical parts and uh, where to attack and when to stay calm and uh, that kind of stuff. I love it. But between yourself and your brother, who's the better mountain biker? Now or then? <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to. It's supposed to be you all the time, Lars Petri. You, yeah, you can't, yeah. I, I caught him. He was three years older, so uh, it took some years, but then I, we were 
pretty much on the same level on the national team together. But then he, uh, after we stopped the mountain biking, he hasn't been that active as I have. So now I guess I'm a bit better. Awesome. Well, tell me about how the triathlon bug sort of came about and, and how you discovered that. And, 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 and when, like, I mean, t- talk to me about how that came and, and, and got onto your radar. Yeah, it was actually my best friend uh, who in 2006, he competed in the Norseman Extreme Triathlon. That was really small back then. And we, I haven't heard of it before. So then he competed and he came second. And then I thought maybe I should try the Norseman. So I did it in 2007 and then I won it. So that was a cool start. And I did one other triathlon that year as well. That was the national championships in the long distance triathlon. And I came second in Norway to the championships in Norway then. So it was a good start, but then it was, the Norseman is really hard, especially mentally. So I guess after one year, I, I needed to go back to mountain biking. And it took five years again before I again did a triathlon, and that was in 2012. And then again, it was Norseman. So that has been my main entrance to the competition because that's uh, so big in Norway. Mm. It, it, we, we, funnily enough, we spoke about the Norseman uh, a few weeks ago here on the Cone Edge. We had uh, one of your countrymen yeah. on, and, and he was talking about it. It's it's a phenomenal race, and it's uh, as you say, it's it's big in Norway. It's starting to gain international sort of uh, fame. I think more and more internationals are are, are trying to get entries. It's just an incredible, yeah. incredible race, isn't it? Yeah, it's awesome. And now the couple, the last couple of years, it's been more foreign applicants to get a slot than. Uh, Norwegians, so, so it's uh, crazy how big it has become. And uh, yeah, of course, for uh, Norwegians, that's the big thing. That what's uh, if you're doing triathlon, everyone asks, uh, "Have you done the Norseman?" You, you, you're not so. a real triathlete unless you've done the Norseman. No, pretty much so in Norway. <laughs> Even if we got uh, like uh, Blumenfeld, who's doing amazing in the Olympic distance, uh, still a lot of the older or more. Just doing it for fun, they look at Norseman as the big deal. You mentioned how tough it is mentally. I mean, it's physically tough. Yeah. There's no two ways about it either. I mean, physically, it's a, it's one, probably one of the hardest around just because of how it finishes. I mean, the run starts, first half is flat, and then you just go straight up. Yeah. Uh, mentally, how, how do you prepare for something that hard? Uh, you have to prepare yourself really well because you know you're going to be in a lot of pain for a really long period of time. And it's gonna get freezing cold because you get all kinds of weather, and you uh, you will get cold and you will uh, be in a lot of, lot of pain. And I know physically it's the run part is hard, but uh, I personally would think that I feel a flat Ironman marathon is harder on the legs. And the last climb on Norseman is a really mental part. The guy who's the strongest mentally and uh, has done his nutrition part good, he will do well in the last climb. So it's more mental part to last uh, two, three hours than in a normal Ironman. As much as the conditions on race day are very different between the the, the Norseman and, and Kona, do you think that the mental preparation of, of having performed well at the Norseman prepared you for, for what was to come in Kona? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Uh, 
but again, I, I messed it up a little bit in Kona, so uh, I wasn't that well prepared. Uh, but the hard weather conditions, uh, of course, that's uh, something you have to be mentally prepared for. And uh, also the hard, hard course, because uh, the Kona course is also much harder than I had thought it would be. And, and the weather on the big islands, I mean, was that something that really troubled you? Coming from a, a country like Norway where, where it can get brutal, I say it can, it does get brutally cold. Uh, the, the heat and humidity from Kona, it's almost the total total opposite to what you used to. Yeah, it is. But then again, I spend a lot of time on Mallorca, the island, training. And in the summer, it can get 35 to 40 degrees Celsius there. And um, I like training in the heat, so that's not a big issue. It's uh, I can handle the different kind of weather pretty good. So uh, that was uh, actually kind of okay on Kona as well. I didn't feel that it was that hot. But you have to be there a couple of weeks mm. to uh, get used to it. The Wh- first week, it was it felt very hard. Wh- which one's harder, Norseman or Kona? Kona. <laughs> I would think. Because I've done the Norseman so many times now, and I know that race and know how to prepare. So for me, it's uh, not that hard anymore. But again, from a guy that's coming from a warm climate, um, Norseman is extremely hard. Mm. Well, it's better looking at, at Norseman and, and, and the iconic status that it has in, in, in Norway, when did Kona become something that you decided you wanted to chase? Was, was, it, was it early on in your triathlon career? No, because then in the start of my career, it was just small races in Norway and the Norseman. So it was first in 2015, I did my first Ironman, then I did a couple of 70.3. And also I won my age group there, so that was a lot of fun. And then I qualified for the World Championships in Selamse. And then yeah, last year, in 2016, was the first time I did my full distance Ironman, or my full distance flat Ironman distance at all in this so it was it was first my first year last year that i thought of that corner could be a cool thing to do you, you mentioned nice that that is one yep. of the toughest uh ironmans from a, particularly the bike uh it's uh yep. it's it's very very hard and and coming from a mountain bike background you've obviously got to play to your strengths and you're used to hard bike yep. courses and suffering so that is that the way you choose races you go you know let's yep. look at the calendar and, and look what's got the hardest bike let's go do that one yeah a little bit of both because i we are both me and my wife wanted to try to qualify for corner and that's why we picked the Nice both both because it's a hard bike course and also because it's a beautiful course. Yeah, it's a really nice place to compete. So it was a bit of both. But um, yeah, the, the good um, background from biking helped me both in the climbs and mainly in the descents, actually. Okay. Because yeah. my mountain bike uh, background uh, makes me a good bike handler and uh, some or most triathletes aren't so i can gain a lot of time on the downhills it's interesting you say that because that course in nice particularly i think it's the last 30 k's is is quite a yeah. it's quite a technical descent back into into transition you you must have been able to yeah. make up a lot of time there yeah more time there there than in the uphills so and it doesn't cost me any strength so it's uh, i'm gaining time without using any energy on it you want to try it's, and it suits me well you want to try and find a mountain bike course that's 180 k's of that descent yeah that would be nice that would be fun. <laughs> i'll put money on you to win it you will definitely win it there's no two ways about it 
Last minute, let, let's talk about the, the preparation for, for Kona as opposed to something like Nice or, 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 or Norseman as an example. I mean, Nice, obviously, yeah. the time of the year, it can get quite warm as well. But did you do anything different in the build-up to Kona than you would normally? Um, I tuned in the, my equipment quite a lot. Uh, I normally use in a black, uh, I use a black suit on the racing, a bike suit. And I had changed that with a white one that uh, had more uh, aerodynamic uh, materials and also most good in the heat. And uh, I also tuned in my bike a little bit because I had the setup was for Norseman and uh, in Norseman is a lot of climbing. So I lowered my, uh, my handlebars a bit and I uh, used uh, some time to get into the new position because I knew on Kona it's all about uh, aerodynamics, a little bit different from uh, Norseman. So I used some time on that. Also, the nutrition part I had to work on because in Norseman we have uh, support that can give us nutrition all the time. But in uh, Kona, you are more self sufficient. So that was also something I had to prepare for. You, you said you didn't have the best of, of Kona's experiences and, and the race didn't quite go according yeah. to plan. Tell me a little bit about your race. What's, yeah. What happened? Uh, it was actually a really good day for me, and the swim was very good. Uh, I was on 58 minutes and that was good for me. Uh, and then the bike was, I felt super strong, maybe a little bit too strong because uh, I felt to avoid drafting, uh, I had to go really hard the first hour to get past the big groups because uh, I didn't want to get stuck behind and risk to, uh, to get a penalty so i guess the first hour on the bike was too hard even if it felt uh, pretty easy i see uh, now that i had uh, the first 50 case i was a bit uh, about uh, a minute faster than frodeno i guess that was a little bit too fast <laughs> uh, so but it, it felt good all the bike felt pretty good actually and the last 20 case was hard because we get a headwind and my plan was to take it easy last uh, 20 case, but uh, that's hard when I get that headwind. Uh, but after the bike, I was um, I, I hope to get under nine hours uh, the result in the end. And when I was finished with the bike, I was uh, well ahead of my plan. But then I guess I was too eager. I, it was, went so well that I was too eager to get in the top age group overall. And I started the first 10 Ks uh, on Ali drive too fast, ran too fast. And uh, I hit the wall when I get up to Queen K. Then it was all over for the first time. And then I took some time and drank a lot of Coke and gathered myself again. But then when I go to the energy lab, it was no more. So then I had a really hard time back on the Queen K. So I blew up on the run. And the, and the mental side of it, so obviously you, you mentioned the mental aspect of, of Norseman. Did that come into play on race day? Did, do you think that, that helped you having that background? Uh, yeah, I think so. Because I, usually I'm pretty good at just sticking to my own plan and just doing what I'm, the intensity I'm going to ride on and the intensity I'm going to run on. But then again on Kona, I was um, after the good result in this. I knew I could win my age group if I had a good day. And I got too focused on that uh, when I went out on the run. So I should have just kept to my plan and ran the pace I was supposed to run on instead of uh, chasing the first position.
so um, I guess that was my biggest mistake that I I forgot to focus just on myself and I focused on the result. Looking back at it now, I mean, what what would you have done differently? Uh, l- looking now that you've analysed the race, how would you have how would you have changed it on race day? I would have been more patient, especially uh, some a little bit more patient on the bike, the first hundred uh, k's probably. Um, but again, it's hard when it's the big groups; you have to get past them, and then just passing one big group can take ten minutes. So that's something you have to take during the competition how yours how you will pace you on the bike but uh, especially the first uh, 10 to 15 case on the run i should have been much more patient patient probably should have run on a 420 per kilometer instead of below four minutes per kilometer as i did the, the big groups in Kona 2016, I think that was one of the big yeah. talking points that came out of, of the race. There were lots of photos yeah. doing the rounds of, of big groups, and, and unfortunately yeah. it is something that uh, the organizers need to deal with. Is, is it possible to fix it? How, how, as, as a race organizer, what do you, yeah. what do, you do? But I, actually, I didn't think um, that Kona had the big drafting issues. The big issue is that the level is so high that it's, the groups get really big. And on Queen K, you have these uh, reflectors on the side of the road. And the distance between those reflectors are the drafting distance. So it's very easy to keep your distance. And I felt like the big groups also was very good at keeping distance. So I didn't think it was a big draft drafting issue. Of course, there are always some that draft, but uh, that wasn't the big issue. But when everyone is keeping the correct distance, there is no way you can uh, get into a group if you are passing. So you have to pass the whole group. That was the hardest part. When there are 50 guys in one line and there's no room to get in there, you have to pass the whole group, and that costs a lot of energy. Yeah, it, it is a tough one. One of the other things that's starting to pop up on, on the the sort of radar in the sport, and it's sad, I know it's something that's plagued cycling for a long, long time, is the doping issue. Lars Petra, what's what's your take on, on doping? I mean, I, I look at people who draft, and, and you're always going to get it. That's yeah. that's the sad thing, yeah. and it's the same thing with doping. Yeah. It's you, it's something that the sport just can't have. What's your, your sort of thought when it comes to, to doping and cheating in the sport? Cheating is always a hopeless thing, and uh, I never understood it. Because if you can't win fair, there's no point in racing at all. So, and uh, it's the same with drafting. You see the guys that uh, that try to use every possibility to get something for free. That's wrong. Of course, you can have an accident and get too close and get a penalty. That's part of the game. But uh, if you do it uh, on purpose, I think it's a uh, no-go. And um, same with doping. It's, it's, uh, I don't understand, uh, especially the age group guys who do it. That's uh, just silly. Do, do you think they need to test more in, in the age groupers? Is it something that they're not testing enough? I don't know how much they are testing. On uh, Kona, I was tested. And a couple of other age groupers as well, I saw. So that was good that they are there and uh, picking up random tests when we are reg- registering. Mm, but of course, if it's becoming more and more a big problem, they have to test much more. Mm, absolutely. You mentioned the race didn't go quite according to plan. You you are very competitive. I'm guessing you yeah. feel there's unfinished business on the big island? Yeah. I'm trying to get back there this year. <laughs> I'm, I'm, 
I learned a lot, so I hope I can race much smarter if I get back there this year. From a preparation perspective, I'm guessing you feel you did everything you could do from a preparation. It was just down to execution on race day? Yeah, yeah. I was very well prepared and uh, I felt I did everything uh, as planned and everything worked out as I had hoped. It was just uh, my head that uh, screwed up the whole thing. So (laughs) I, I have to be much smarter. How frustrating is it that it was a, a race like Kona, and, and particularly an Ironman? If you do that, you don't get lots of opportunities to race big races like that. No. In no. order to go and fix that problem, you've got to wait. It's, you can't go back a yeah. week late and, and, and try it again. Yeah, but uh, Kona last year was a bit of a bonus for me. My main goal last year was Norseman, uh, which I won. So I was kind of happy with the season Anyway, and uh, Ironman Nice went very, very well. And uh, so, of course, I was hoping for a good result in Hawaii. But I'm happy that my preparations were good and that my shape is good. So if I get back there, I know much more now. So I'm I'm much smarter. So you learn from everything, and that's just part of the game. Talking about learning, if you could go back and start your triathlon career over, what would you tell yourself? What would you do differently? Is there anything you would do differently? I would start to swim when I was a kid. Because <laughs> 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 uh, that's the hardest part when you can come from another background. It's just uh, starting to swim from scratch. It's uh, It takes a lot of time. and um, So I guess uh, just uh, starting to swim early is... Uh, the main thing that I have lost with, uh, by doing something else for so many years. So what you're saying is if there's parents that listen to this and they want their kids to become really good triathletes, they've got to get them in the water when they, can, they, when they, they can't even walk, they need to be swimming. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're, you learn to swim correct when you're a kid, you just you gain from that your whole, the whole, uh, your, your whole life. And you can learn to uh, run and uh, to bike, but the swimming is... Uh, it takes time and you should have uh, should learn it when you're young. There's lots of new triathletes that, that listen to the, the Cone Edge that are, are thinking about doing their first Ironman or are training to do their first Ironman. You, you're very experienced. You've done multiple of these sort of distance races. What, what advice would you give to someone who's an out-and-out newbie in the sport and, and trying to find their way? Uh, train smart. Uh, don't listen to everyone. Just pick out some advices and go for that, and, uh, and learn uh, learn to know yourself and your strengths and uh, your weaknesses, and just trust yourself. Uh, make a plan for each race and stick to the plan. You can't do anything about the competitors. You have to just trust yourself, and especially when it comes to the nutrition and the intensity on the bike and the run, you have to have a plan and stick to the plan. It's interesting you that, that first point you made about finding someone who can help you. I think finding help is, yeah. is very important, but, but finding one person that you can buy into their philosophy. I think in the day and age that we live in with the internet, there's just so much information, and and, and yeah. I, th- I think a lot of people make that mistake is where they pick and choose pieces. They take yeah. something here that they like, something there that they like, and that doesn't necessarily work. You've, yeah. you've got to sell out to yeah. one person and, and, and give, it a, give it a bash that way. Yeah, I think so. And especially you see the internet forums and people discussing and it's a lot of good ideas, but then you have to uh, be a bit realistic and just uh, not try everything at once. You can try one year, you can try one thing, and if it doesn't feel that uh, works for you, you can tweak it a little bit, and, but don't, don't try it. Give, uh, 
give one program a shot before you put everything else in it. I like to think of it as, as a buffet. When you, you eat at a buffet, there's lots of different things. You don't put everything on your plate. You, you take what you like no. and, 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 and try that. So I think that's, that's some, some great advice. You also mentioned that your wife is a, a fairly competitive triathlete. What's it like living with, uh, with another type yeah. A personality who also races hard? I think we, we, I couldn't have done what I'd do if I, my wife didn't do the same thing because then we have the same interest and we we do the same races and we can train, I think, 80-90% of my uh, training I do together with my wife. And that's a good thing because uh, yeah, it wouldn't have worked or because uh, that's what we do, our, do in our spare time is train or compete. Tell me a little bit about her and, and her sort of uh, exploits. She, I mean, in order to train with you, she must be pretty good too. Yeah, she's pretty good. She was the seventh in the Norseman Extreme Triathlon last year and fourth in Ironman uh, Nice. So she's uh, very good and she's hoping for a slot to Kona as well. Um, but it's for women, it's so hard to get the slots because there are so few slots in their uh, categories. And that's a bit sad because uh, there are very much uh, good women out there who deserve to get a spot on the Kona. And uh, they have to pick their uh, races much more carefully than we guys do because we all sometimes we have a lot of uh, slots, but they only have two, three mm. almost every race. Looking at sort of people you admire in the sport, who, who are some of the athletes that you look up to and, and, and sort of aspire to be like? I haven't been in the circus that long so i don't uh, know that many but uh, i think it's really inspiring to look at uh, kinla who's the great biker and puts his heart on the line every time and of course frodeno and uh, daniela reef they are true champions and uh, actually the thing that uh, daniela reef does is amazing she's so strong and uh, it's hard, it's hard to believe the times that she puts in yeah, she's she's a machine. There's no two no yeah. two ways about it. Absolutely. Yeah. What's next on the cars for for Lars Peter Stormo? Uh, now uh, we are going to Ironman South Africa in just over a month. So hoping to secure the corner slot there, and uh, then we are doing the seventy point three on Mallorca. We do that almost every year because it's a great venue and a great race. And then uh, we do the Ironman Austria in Klagenfurt. That's a fast course, so I hope to set a good time there. And then again, it's Norseman in August, and then hopefully Hawaii in October. So it's a long, uh, long season, a lot of uh, long distance races. Yeah, it's interesting. You talk about a long <laughs> season and lots of races. How many do you think you can physically do and be your best at? I mean, it's easy to go and, and race lots, but uh, you you want to yeah. be at a certain level. What 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 do you think is the right number for you? I think I can do three, maybe four big races and do well in all of them uh, I'm I know this year Ironman Austria and Norseman they are a bit tight so I actually hope to do very well in uh, Austria in the start of July and then one month later I have Norseman so I hope to cruise on the the shape that I get from Austria into Norseman but uh, the, those two are a bit too close that I can peak in both of them obviously a very busy travel schedule as well. Tell me what you do for a living and, and how you fund this uh, triathlon addiction of yours. <laughs> uh, I work full-time as a construction engineer. So uh, uh, all our vacations uh, 
goes to uh, this uh, these races and uh, if we get to Hawaii we have to take some uh, free without pay both me and my wife to get there because we don't have that much vacation uh, but uh, it's so much fun and uh, we get so many experiences uh, from the racing abroad so it's just something we love to do and of course we have uh, sponsors uh, in uh, Oslo Sportsflagger in Norway that support us and that helps a lot, of course. Absolutely. Well, Lars Petter, thank you so much for your time here on the Kona Edge today. I look forward to getting you back on to thank talk you. a little bit about your, your swim, your bike, your run, and your nutrition. But we'll save that for another day. Thanks for your time. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Kona Edge. Don't forget to connect with us on social media. Simply search for the Kona Edge. Yeah.